0: Lamentations chapter three and verse twenty-two through twenty-three. Twenty two through twenty-three. I'm gonna I'm gonna start up at verse nineteen if that'll be okay, and I apologize for that, but uh I'm just gonna pick up at verse nineteen. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. Everybody say, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. But his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Lord, we're grateful and we're thankful for the operation of the Spirit, the lives that you've already touched. God, we're thankful for the plan and the purpose of this day and this all that you have designed to do in each and every life. We pray today for your anointing to deliver the word. God, and I pray for that same anointing to fall on our hearts, God, to be open to receive, oh, your word and apply our hearts to it and let your will be done in every life here today. Oh, I pray that hearts that will be pulled upon today, that will be stirred, that will be encouraged, and, God, that they would respond to you at this time that you're reaching. God, for you have a great plan and a great purpose, and you desire to do a great work in the hearts that are here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. I want to preach on this thought this morning, boundless mercy, boundless mercy what is boundless it means it has no boundaries it is not limited you see most everything we know except god has boundaries it has limitations there's drawn lines that we know that at some point it reaches its maximum amen how many of you have boundless patience not i <laughs> There's no way. And, and we struggle as humans to have boundless mercy because we're not God. We can try our best to have mercy, but at some point, somebody's going to reach their boundary because of our humanity. Amen. But in Psalm 23 and 6, David gives a very beautiful testimony, something that he had learned from experience with living for God. And I've always loved this Uh, Verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It wasn't a hope statement, but it was an experience of, of a testimony from experience. What David is saying, I've learned in my life thus far that goodness and mercy has been there with me. Ever since I've been living, and I have faith to know that it will always be there. All of my life. How many of you found that goodness and mercy has been with you all the days of your life? We wouldn't be here today had it not been for the goodness and the mercy of God. Every single one of us would not be where we're at and would not have what we have and know what we have and be blessed the way we are if it were not for the goodness and the mercy of God. I can guarantee you there's not a person in this building that would not stand to testify if given the opportunity. Maybe you wouldn't stand, but you could. And talk about how good God has been to you. I remember my precious mother. That was one of her main, I, I'm telling you, anybody she talked with, that sentence was coming on, come out. God has been so good to me. Woo! Hallelujah. When we think of the goodness, I didn't know they were singing this song this morning. But the Lord did, I evidently. Or He laid it on their heart because He knew what He laid on my heart. But I have recorded in my message today lyrics of that song. Amen. Because they are beautiful. And it's become one of my favorite songs. Amen. The goodness of God. It goes like this. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to uh, read the, all the lyrics. It says, I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You've led me through the fire in the darkest night. You're close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness. Of God. Come on, somebody. That's why this song uh, resonates with all of us. That's why it touches on the heartstrings of our soul because we can relate to the words of this song and we can all sing it and make it personal because these words can become our words, praise God, because we've lived it, we've experienced it, we've been held under that hand uh, or in that hand of the Lord. Well, praise God. The goodness of God. God watches over us. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. You can't go anywhere that God isn't already there. You can't experience anything that God didn't see coming. Hello? Really? God's never taken by surprise. And He is never out of control. Think on that for a minute. No matter what we face, what we're going through, God is never taken by surprise and He is never out of control. That brings us a lot of comfort because He's an all-powerful God. And he loves us. And he has taken charge to watch over us. You ever give somebody the charge to watch your kids? You want to make sure somebody mature, responsible. Come on. Because those kids are precious. And you want somebody that's going to look after them. Folks, we have God that's looking after us. That all-watching eye of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. David said this in Psalms 8 and 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? He's saying, God, I'm having a hard time understanding why you love us so much. God, why you're so involved in our lives, Why you're there every step of the way, while you're there to talk to us, when you're there to hear our cry, God, what is it about us that you're so mindful of us because we belong to him? Amen. Aren't you glad that you belong to the Lord? Then in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 through 31, it says, are not two sparrows sold for a fathering? And one of them, That means there's not a lot of value there, right? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father knowing it. Not one of them shall fall without your father. God's not really that concerned about the sparrow, but he's that watchful. And he uses that as an example to tell us, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And God doesn't have to worry about keeping up every time one falls out in the brush. Because he knows us that well. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. We're the apple of his eye. I want to encourage someone today. God knows where you're at. He doesn't care about how many hairs are on our head. But he's telling us this is what kind of detail I pay attention and that I know about you. He knows our thoughts and the intents of our heart, praise God. We are naked and open before God. That is not from a fearful mood, but that is from a heart that says, you are mine, I watch over you, I keep you, you're that important to me, you're my child. The Bible says all souls are mine, saith the Lord. Saith God, everybody say, boundless mercy. Mercy is recorded in Scripture 276 times. Mercy endureth forever is recorded 36 times. Now, for something to be recorded 276 times, That is something that has been given great attention as a characteristic or an attribute of God. Come on. Why is he so merciful to us? Have you ever asked that question? God, why are you so merciful to me? I got the answer. And you do too. Because he loves us. Mercy can only come out of love. Hello? Real mercy, godly mercy, Brother Dylan, is so rich and so powerful because it is produced out of love. And there's no one that can love us the way he loves us. And his love is with an everlasting love, I would to God, that someone would get a hold of this this morning because the devil's been trying to beat some of you up. The devil's been trying to devalue some of you. The devil has been on your back big time about your mistakes and your flaws and your shortcomings and your idiosyncrasies. But God sent a preacher to you this morning to tell you how important you really are to him. We all have failed and come short of the glory of God. Come on, somebody. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. But I'm talking about a God that is not there to condemn. But I'm talking about a God that is there to cover. There's a difference in condemning and covering. While the world is trying to condemn, God went to Calvary and gave his life and shed his blood so that he may cover us. And when you're covered, you can't see the scars. You can't see the wounds. You can't see all the things that were there because he come to cover us. Hmm. The woman caught in an act of adultery That's pretty bad, especially in those days. It was always bad to God. But society changes and things become more acceptable. We won't get into all of that. But in that day, it was such a reproach to mankind, and it should be today. But they brought her with the intent of having her stoned. And they said the law of Moses says to stone her. Pull out your stones and put her to death. She deserves death. There's not a question about that. We all deserve that. Hello? Remember the Bible says, and such were some of you. Come on. And that's what he turned on those accusers. He said, those are you that without sin, you just go ahead and cast that first stone. In other words, because if you got sin in your life, put your rocks down and get out of Dodge because you got no business here. You don't love her. You're not concerned about her life. You don't care about what she's been through. You don't care about where she's, what she's facing. You don't care how she feels. But he said, and he looked at her, he said, where are those thine accusers? And for the first time, she probably said, no man, Lord. For the first time, she probably felt the pressure fall off. She was drugged there. She was caught in the very act and brought and slung at the feet of Jesus. Hello? And so condemnation and judgment, judgmentalness was all she knew. But first time, probably in a long time, she was able to say, no man, Lord. Because when they throw their rocks down their judgment had to stop their accusing had to stop because they had their own sin hello they had their own mess ups they had their own skeletons in the closet come on somebody oh I just love the way God brings it to face value and how God brings things to surface and puts it in his place you know what I want God to put me in my place Hello, I'm as human as anybody here, but aren't you glad that God knows how to speak into our hearts and put us in our place? I remember, I shouldn't run rabbit trails, but here we are. I remember being, and just as a point, in my in the church, my first church, only other church I've pastored, and, and there was nobody in the prayer room. I couldn't get nobody to come to the prayer room. I was feeling them old mulligrubs. I ought to have been happy to be pastoring. Had a small church. We started with six folks. By that time, we had about 20. And I was getting real frustrated, aggravated, irritated. Y'all don't never do that, do you? And i I prayed, and I said, Lord, how long am I going to have to put up with this? Boy, I was having a bad day. And the Lord quickly spoke. He said, how long have I put up with you? I said, oh Lord, please, never mind. <laughs> Come on. I kind of feel like that's what those guys did. When he looked at them, those that are without sin, cast the first stone. They just said, Never mind. And they left. And when they were either way, she felt no, no more condemnation, nor more judgmentalness, and there was no accuser present. But who was present was a coverer. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Come on, somebody. That's the kind of God we serve. When we repent of our sins, it don't matter what we've done. It don't matter how long we've done it. Just repent and go and don't do it again. That's what repentance is. It's a turn about face, walk away from it. We can't keep on doing it and be repenting. Hello? But if we repent... God said, I'm done with it. It's erased. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'll never bring it up again. It's as though you never did it. You may have a time getting it out of your mind, but to the eyes of the heart of God, it never happened because it's covered. Somebody said, I'm so glad he come to cover me and not condemn me. Woo! Well, clap your hands to Jesus if you don't mind. But what a beautiful truth. What a beautiful story of mercy. What did that lady, Shirley, when she walked away that day, she probably thought, I've never encountered anybody like him. I've never experienced anything like this. Can I speak to somebody today? Maybe your past is like hounds on your heels, and you've never experienced Or never been into a place where you knew there was an encounter with God. A loving and a merciful God that would wash and cleanse you of anything you've ever done. Come on. Now. I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've got things you need to bring to the master, be encouraged. Hello? Be encouraged because God loves us and he wants to cover us. His blood has provided the covering. Well, praise the Lord. Lamentations chapter 3, the scripture text. it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion's. Fail not. I, I, Bradley was helping. Brother Bradley was helping me hook up a dryer the other day, and he had this shirt on. I never said a word, but it just resonated with me. And I don't know something about nursing and or therapy. I don't remember exactly what I was there, but it says compassion in action. Jesus is compassion. is not a thought. It's not an ideal. It's not on his wish list to want to have attributes in his life, but his compassion is put into action, and his compassion for this lady failed not. How many times has God's compassion not failed you? Come on. Come on. God's compassion has never failed this old boy. Come on. If you were to be honest with yourself this morning, God's compassion has never failed you. And if you've yet to get a hold of that, maybe you're in the middle of something, maybe you're hell with a cloud over your head, maybe you've been living a long life of sin and didn't feel like you could get out, can I tell you, God's compassion will not fail you this morning. It will not let you down. You can come to the throne room of glory. You can cry out to a loving and a merciful God, and His compassions will not fail you. Woo. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to shout. You know why? Because I needed that compassion mega times in my life, and He's never let me down. Oh, praise God. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, this is not a, a scripture that says just use up all you can today because there's plenty tomorrow no 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 this is saying you're never going to run out huh remember those phones you had to you only got so many minutes with after a while you could use them up quicker than you realized but can I tell you with God's mercies it is unlimited coverage Come on, somebody. It's unlimited data. It's unlimited mercies, unlimited grace. It's unlimited long-suffering. It's unlimited forgiveness. Mm. They're new every morning. Psalm 103 and 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. I love again when He talks about mercy. And plenteous in mercy. He just keeps driving it home. It's unlimited. It's new every morning. I got plenty of it. Come on. Mercy endureth forever. And then he goes on in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, and it tells it even further. Watch this. And you, everybody says he's talking about me, hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. When I think about the goodness of God, in all that he's done for me. My soul cries out, thank you, Lord, for saving me. We can all look back to when we were dead and trespasses in our sin, and we just thank God by his mercy and the cross of Calvary and the drawing of his spirit. Hey, amen. Hey, come on, somebody, that we didn't die while in those trespasses, that we didn't die while in those sins because there's been millions to do it, but it was nothing but the mercy of God and the prayers of a a faithful mom that kept this old boy three times from entering into eternity before I turned 21. You don't think I don't look back on that, Brother Dylan, and think if it were not for a praying mama and the mercy of God, I'd have died in my sins, and I'd have been in the devil's hell, and I'd have missed all that God had. Can I tell you, that's just what the devil was. He hates mercy. I said the devil hates mercy. And he don't want you to get a hold of it. Come on, somebody. But let me let me go on. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had all, all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verses 1 through 3 lays out a clear picture of our past. But something changes in verse 4. Hello? It gives a clear picture of where we used to be. But in verse 4, and this is one of my favorite verses, but God, you are you and I were on a one way train to hell, but God, we were bent to destruction but God. We were we were not considering our loving God. We were living for the flesh. We were fulfilling the desires of the flesh, but God. We were in trouble and our lives were a wreck, but God. We were miserable, but God. We were making a mess out of our life, but God. Come on somebody. When did the conjunction of a but God come into your world? Where were you at when but God came real? What were you in the midst of when but God came into existence in your life. But God, who is rich, 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 wealthy. I mean, Bill Gates has nothing. Warren Buffett has nothing. Elon Musk has nothing in comparison and dollars to the mercies of God. But he is rich in his mercy. Oh, my Lord, how mercy. I don't know why God laid this on my heart. It's been just kind of dwelling there for a couple weeks. Come on. But he's rich in mercy. My Lord, How mercy. Because he knows our human mind that we limit ourselves. That we give up on ourselves. That we get to a place we don't leave ourselves a lot of hope but that's why his word said, no, 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 don't you get there. Don't you believe in that lie of hell, but I want you to know my mercy endureth forever. I want you to know my compassions fail not and my mercies new every morning. I want you to know that I've got plenty of mercy. I want you to know that you serve a God who is rich in mercy. Why does God keep driving that home? Because we live in this carnal flesh. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to goof up. We're going to have slips and falls, but he's saying, no, child, Get back up. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. Why? Because I serve a God who has plenty of mercy. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, before I go any further, says this. Let us, therefore, come boldly, boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. And find grace in a time of need. Where are you going to go when trouble lands in your world? Where are you going to go when wreckage has happened in your life? Where are you going to go when you made the biggest mistake of your life? Where are you going to go when the hounds of hell are nipping at the heels of your soul? Where are you going to go when things have fallen apart and your marriage is a wreck and your children are on drugs? Where are you going to go when you've led down the wrong path for so long? Where are you going to go when disease has crippled your body? Where are you going to go? i tell you where we're going to go. God is saying, I got the right place for you. I want you to know. Don't you come holding your head down. I died on a rugged cross, but come boldly to a throne of grace. Because at the throne of grace, there's something there for you to obtain, and it's mercy. Mercy and grace in a time of need. You know, mm, praise God. You know, us humans, we don't normally run to God to we're in trouble. But thank God we run to Him. And God doesn't say, where you been? You just call on me when you need me? I've known people like that. i felt like that a few times. But God don't feel like that. Because God is saying, I just might have been involved in that. Hello? And so come on to the throne of grace anybody thankful for the throne of grace aren't you thankful for the throne of grace because at that throne of grace you can obtain mercy and grace in a time of need oh praise God clap your hands to the Lord Jesus Christ we all need mercy let me catch up wherever I was at Even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and hath raised us up together made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Romans 5 and 8 talks about the cross. The cross is is the greatest act of mercy ever displayed on this planet. We can see a lot of mercy in life. People's been merciful. God's been merciful. But the greatest act of mercy that has ever taken place was that on the hill of Golgotha, on an old rugged cross, when the Savior of this world, the God who created the world, robed himself in flesh and came and dwelt among us. And he came to give his life that we might have life. And then we may have it more abundantly. He could have called the legion of angels and got him down off of that cross. But he chose to go to that cross because there was an act of mercy. And it's there on that cross. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us I was talking to the the gentleman who w- we bought her home from and they have a little girl who has a major immune deficiency and um, they have not gotten the best of news lately and having to move to Memphis to go to Le Bonheur three times a week for her infusions and her life expectancy is not very long and but he looked at me in the backyard of that house and he said but brother Danny he said if God never does a thing for us, what he did at Calvary was more than I could ever ask for. And I thought how beautiful of a statement. If God never done a thing for me, what he did at Calvary is more than I could ever thank him for. Why? Because at Calvary he laid a foundation and he create prepared a way for me and I and you that we could come to the throne of grace and we could repent of our sins. We could be baptized in his name and we could be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and we can be saved only because of mercy, Brother Dylan. Did it take him to that cross? Let's stand together. Another act of mercy, and I'll close with this, Lord willing. We all know it as the prodigal son. It's a story about the mercy of God. It's a story about the restoration of God. The story means a lot to me, and I'm sure it does you. But I lived the life of a prodigal for 16 years. I'd reached the point I didn't think I could ever be saved. I reached a place, Brother King, where I felt like I was damned for hell. And here's why it's because I felt like I couldn't live for God. I had tried and failed. But I felt like, and the devil had me pushed in a corner and believing I could not live for God. I didn't have what it takes. But I'm thankful that God didn't give up on me. And this story of a prodigal son came in my life and became real. And it becomes real in so many of our lives. Every head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't mind. You know the story went out. Took his inheritance. He wasted his all his inheritance on strange women, on party lifestyle, living a very sinful life. He made some bad, he made a bad decision. He messed up big. And trouble came. As trouble always comes. He found himself to be in want. Instead of going back home at that point, he went deeper into it. And he joined himself to a man of another country. And he became a servant to him. And he found himself. I don't know how long he was there. None of us really know. But he found himself feeding the swine. And he was so deep in poverty that he was so hungry, he desired to eat the food the swine were eating. And it was there, the call that mercy showed up. And mercy reached for him. And the Bible says he came to himself. You see, that's proof and evidence to me that he hadn't been himself. Some spirit had got a hold of him. Some spirit, he got involved in something and his ideals and whatever it might be, he got in connection with. And a spirit had got a hold of him and he drove him out and he began to live this life. But then all of a sudden on bottom, he, he... he came to himself and he thought, What in the world am I doing? What in the world have I done? And he thought about his father's house. And he said, You know, my father's got hired servants that's doing better than I am. And he said, I will arise and I'm going back home. If I have to, I'm, and I'm just going to be a servant because I'm not worthy. Watch what he says I'm not worthy. That's how most of us come back to God. We're not worthy. We're not worthy of mistakes we made. We're not or, or because of the mistakes we made. We're not worthy to be restored. We're not worthy ever to be where we once. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody right now. We're not worthy to ever be where we once were with God. We blew it once and for all. And that's how he felt. He made that long journey back. He just wanted to be back in the presence of the Father. He wanted to be back into a safe place and a normal place. And he made that way back to that home. And oh, to his surprise, that dad was waiting for him. You know the story. With open arms, he embraced him, hugged him, kissed him. And he restored him, Brother Treats. He restored him. You're not a servant, you're a son. He. What a beautiful story of mercy. When I think about how merciful God was to me, I could have died out there in that 16 years, and like I said, I almost did three times. I could have been lost. In hell for eternity. But it was mercy. That woke me up. It was mercy that got my attention. It was mercy that reached for you today. It's mercy my friend. Come boldly. Before the throne of grace. That you may obtain mercy and grace. In a time of need. Come on. Don't let anything rob you of it. I know the Holy Ghost is talking to people's hearts today. Why, no one's looking around? Would you make your way to the altar? Would you come and just pray and turn it over to the Lord? Would you come and surrender everything to the Master? Lord, I'm coming to the throne of grace because there's something there that I need to obtain. It's called mercy and grace in my time of need come on would you come come on the spirit's talking the spirit's kneeling it may have been a long time since you've lived for God but I'm here to tell you God will restore you it may have been since you was a child it may have been since you was a teenager it may have been in the last couple years that you've struggled and strayed. and You may even still be in the church, but yet not where you are. You need to be with God. Can I tell you today, mercy awaits you. Mercy awaits you.